0: Ooh. Welcome to Irish Passport. Uh, let's do it. Welcome to the Irish Passport.
1: I'm Tim McInerney.
0: I'm Naomi O'Leary.
1: We're friends. Okay, welcome, Naomi.
0: Anouar Fad, Tim. This is your passport to Irish culture, history, and politics. Uh-huh. I'm recording. One, one, two, two, three. three. Okay. Welcome to Half Pints, the bonus content of the Irish Passport podcast we make specially to thank our Patreon supporters.
1: Yes, hello listeners, and today we are going to be talking about flags, their meaning and history, and what kind of symbol could represent a united Ireland if that were to happen sometime in the future.
0: We're delighted to be joined by a very special guest, Darko O'Shea of the Mother Folklore podcast, and we'll be posting links to the images of the flags that we're going to discuss in this show. Uh, we'll put them in the show notes if you want to see what we're talking about.
1: Yeah, there's, load, there's loads of them. <laughs> Turns out there's a <laughs> lot of flags associated with this island. Yeah.
0: So let's get into it. Um, Tim, I'd love to start with the most famous one, I suppose, the one that's associated the flag of the the Republic right now, the green, white and orange. Tim, can you explain how did the tricolour come to be? Because it's a really good story.
1: Yeah, right. So um, this is fresh in everyone's minds uh, since St. Patrick's Day, which wasn't that long ago. And that's a moment when you see this tricolour flag all around the world. Um, now, this uh, tricolor flag isn't that old, but um, on that point, you know, a lot of the flags that we see for modern nations aren't that old at all. Anyway, this idea of a national flag, you know, it's quite new. Um, it dates mostly from the 18th and 19th centuries, and it's kind of contemporaneous with the invention of the nation state as an abstract thing and mm. before that flags were mostly um associated with like royalties or regimes or uh kings or whatever um like or dynasties like family heralds
0: kind of things
1: yeah i mean yeah there was a blurred line exactly between heralds and crests and flags um uh, at this point in time uh but mm. the uh tricolor uh the irish tricolor is based on the french flag and a lot of flags are based on the French flag, uh, it turns out, because the French flag was kind of a, a design pioneer. <laughs> and, uh, mm. it, you know, it, it was seen as a kind of template of modern republics uh, in the 18th and 19th century or in the 19th century, more like. And Mm -hmm. uh, this one was actually gifted to the young Irelander, Thomas Francis Mayer. Uh, The young Irelanders were a rebel organisation around the time of the famine. And uh, in 1848, uh, an organisation of French women who sympathised with the Irish cause at that time, they gave uh, this guy, Thomas Francis Mayer, uh, this tricolour flag with the green and the white and the orange. The idea was that that the green represents the Catholics of Ireland, the orange represented the Protestants of Ireland and the white represented peace between them, and hoped hoped for unity. Uh, This is a quote, actually, from Thomas Francis Mayer. He said, The white in the centre signifies a lasting truce between orange and green, and I trust that beneath its folds the hands of Irish Protestants and Irish Catholics may be clasped in generous and heroic brotherhood. So that's where right. it came from. A nice,
0: hopeful sentiment. And-
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole thing was very kind of inclusive and positive, uh, which is interesting, as we'll see uh, when we talk about this a bit more. Um, but even though that came about in 1848-ish, um, the tricolour wasn't actually really used until 1916. And at that point, it was hoisted above the GPO uh, during the Easter Rising. And that's the point really where it became kind of associated with the Irish Republic. And it was later on adopted by the free state as the national flag.
0: That's really interesting because that gives a little bit of context about how the flag, although its meaning is, is, is one of unity, its mm. use has tended to be of a particular side, clearly.
2: That's for sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, Derek, um, I understand. Thank you so much. First of all, for coming to join us. And, uh, oh, my, my
2: absolute pleasure! One of my favorite podcasts to, <laughs> to be here.
0: I understand there are special names in Irish for the colours in the flag.
2: Yes, indeed. I think, I, I, like for for those of us who went to school in Ireland, we know that's, that that certain Irish colours have have their own particular names. And we, we most people would consider gloss to be the normal go to word for green, but that's that particularly refers to shades of green found in nature. Whereas the word for kind of a pure green or true green is uaine. And that's that's the word that's in the constitution. The constitution specifies what the three colours of the on, on the tricolour are. And Una is the shade of green. You might, um, gloss is one. Sometimes is considered to be a little confusing because it can also mean kind of shades of grey, like a, a grey squirrel is aerogloss. Uh, hmm. And that uh, made them so that it, it's what it, it, that's not. Like it's not the colour of a squirrel or, a, or or a wolf. It's a, a pure green. And similarly, the colour for orange isn't, we'd all say Arashta when you're having um, when the orange juice in school, but the colour, the shade of orange on the Irish flag is Flan Louis. and it's one of those compound words. Like the same way that Bonjarag is the word for pink, and that means red-white or white-red. Flan is a word for red, that's specifically blood red. Hmm. And bui bo- and is the w- word for yellow. So when you combine them, you get a kind of a noble blood red yellow uh, color.
1: Interesting, that's fascinating. <laughs> Especially because, of course, famously, orange is is a new color, right? In humanity, that we uh, we didn't really have words for orange, um, like in a lot of European languages. But this seems to be one. This, this is the thing. Well, the, the first of all, I suppose like. Um, the, the
2: word for orange entered English and Irish roughly at the same time and from naranja in Spain. So it's one of these um, moments in linguistics where a person was trying to say a-n-orange, but they actually ended up saying an-orange or mm. they were heard as saying an-orange instead of mm. an-orange. And but it's um, and that, so the same linguistic mis- mistake was made in both English and Irish. But um, people who studied... And
0: French, actually, okay, come to think of it.
2: Oh, wrong, oh yeah, of course. Mm. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So it's yeah, you wonder kind of how one one little mistake like that can uh, can have massive repercussions. Mm. But flanvu, I mean, as people who studied Old Irish say that it's it was it was kind of a neologism in the nineteenth century to that was intended to sound maybe to kind of sound kind of uh more dignified. Whereas they they've no there's no evidence of the word Flanvui in in Old Irish texts. Mm. But it's, but at the same time, it was, it was a, it was in it, it was a neologism, but it's, uh, it was at some point, maybe they thought that Roche wasn't going to do it.
0: And what I want to know is whether Unia and Flanvui have their own RGB numbers, like specific RGB codes for <laughs> corresponding to these particular colors. You know, the yeah. designer codes for like particular shades.
2: I'd, I'd say so, and no. I'm just re- from recently painting a house and down from the inside <laughs> of a house, and having taken look at all the different shades of white, I'd be very interested in whether it was a specifically it was it was a specific a shade. Is there of a orange. consensus? I do, yeah. <laughs> This is thing, but it is interesting to put on this context that. The Irish for an orange man is a far Oh, right.
1: <laughs> that's so interesting. Um, I, I, I have to say, I love this flanbui. Um, this, this notion of blood red, yellow to describe orange—that's <laughs> just a great mental image, and you can really see the color, can't you? Very yeah. much so. I think it's, it's, it's.
2: I, I think it's, it is quite descriptive. And even if it is, it may, if it's a neologism that's over hundred years old, that's good enough for me. That's whatever as old as telephone. That's a, that's a fine word to have. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's certainly, it's evocative and it has a kick to it. It's, it's a, it's definitely a, a cool word. You probably find, you may have remembered that, like, um, in school, sometimes the, the flag was referred to as green, white and gold.
0: Yes. Mm. I was going to say, actually.
2: And, and I think that may have been a kind of a slightly partitionist or kind of a, 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 a revisionist in some ways of kind of a de-oranging the, the, the flag. And I can see why, well, even though the intent of the flag is to be, uh, is, is to honor both heritages that the actual use of the flag hasn't always been that way and possibly they hearing it referred to as gold instead of orange might might be a uh, might be linked to that
1: yeah, I was, I, I kind of tried to look this up, uh, when I was researching for this episode. And, uh, it turns out that the, the government has, a, like, official policy on that, um, <laughs> or the, the, um, the state uh, in some capacity, um, that you're not supposed to use gold and they won't accept, uh, gold or any kind of yellowy orange, um, in, in place of the orange itself. And, that, you know, they're very adamant about keeping that orange as its uh, original representation. Uh, but maybe yes. to ex- uh, explain for, um, our international listeners, um, in lots of poetry, I suppose, and songs and stuff and kind of poetic language. You often hear the flag referred to as green, white, and gold. And you literally see images of gold instead of orange sometimes. You don't see it so much anymore, but like you said, Derek, you definitely saw it when we were kids in school. And just, I was,
2: what I was looking there is a lot of, um, sometimes when you see, uh, maybe people with a certain, a certain viewpoint, uh, on social media, uh, like using the flag, sometimes what they do is they accidentally use the Ivory Coast flag. <laughs> and we've seen this and it's, it's what I thought was interesting was what the actual colors of the Irish, on the, on the Ivory Coast flag represent. And I had a quick look there and it seems that while they have green and orange, it, it's not necessarily represents, it doesn't represent Catholicism or Protestantism. The orange represents the color of the rich earth and what the earth is given the white represents peace in general and the green is hope hope for the future mm. so it's and some people say also that they, they they were the ivory coast is a former french colony and they were modeled on the it was modeled on the french type color but they changed the colors to represent different ivory coast values and some people say they represent a union discipline and work
0: that is super interesting and like yeah, just to be clear, it's like almost exactly the Irish flag backwards. My, my own kind of personal opinion is that sometimes people say green, white, and gold because inherently, green and orange together is just not a very nice color combination,
1: <laughs> just aesthetically. <laughs> right. And yet,
2: but it's also on the it's also on in the Indian flag, and oh, yeah. perhaps in a different direction again. And so it's I think I mean that they, yeah, I mean it mightn't be the best color combination, but it has potential.
1: Right. Well, yeah, it's it's done its job anyway uh, on graphic design uh, around the world. Um, Naomi, of course, that actually brings us to just the perception of the flag rather than the original symbolism, uh, because the Irish flag is considered contentious uh, by by some people, by some factions in different parts of the world for different reasons. And uh, talks about a United Ireland often involve talks about a potential change of that flag. Uh, so, what's could you kind of lay down what's what's the deal with this?
0: So why are we talking about this flag at all, I guess, is the question. And it's it's being raised as this question about if there is, in some future point, the unification of the island, then would you need to have a new flag to represent it? Um And I'm really interested to kind of understand where this discussion is coming from. So obviously, the... This, this Irish flag represents a particular side in the context of Northern Ireland. Um, and then, you know, that obviously wouldn't be inclusive for the other side. They wouldn't see it to represent them. And actually it's associated with kind of a horrible period in, in history. It's 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 a complex though, because like the, the Irish Republican army, at different points, the, the militants didn't actually necessarily identify primarily with that flag themselves. You know, they would have... Um, not being synonymous with the republic at all, but rather they, they, you know, they didn't think that the republic was, you know, the real republic at all either. Um, so it's yeah. it's kind of a complex history. What what I find a, um, kind of questionable about this discussion is so this question of like, oh, would we change the flag if there was a United Ireland? It seems to me like it's not something that's being asked for by unionists. It's something that's, that unionists are presumed to want. Like unionists are not even talking about a United Ireland in general. They're not even engaging in this. Like this is not really a conversation that particularly interests them. Mm. But mm. it's the idea that they might want a new flag is sort of projected um, from the Republic. And in general... Where I see this question being raised is, would we change the flag? Would we have to change the flag? It's it's not coming from the North at all. It's actually coming from sort of people in the South who are hesitant about ever having such a referendum. And they say it as a kind of gotcha. They're like, oh, you Mm. think we could have a referendum on United Ireland? Well, would you change the flag? It's kind of this like smart arse comment that's meant (laughs) to confront people with something that instinctively people might not like because obviously people are attached to the flag you know they're obviously like people like it Um so I have my suspicions about the sort of origin of this conversation but it is really interesting as a topic which is why it's yeah. kind of it's kind of interesting to to talk about. There was a poll by Ireland Thinks um, just recently for the journal um, on this question, and they said, OK, would you want a United Ireland if it, if it meant changing the flag? And 50% of the respondents, it was about a 1,000 respondents, said that they wouldn't be willing to change the, the current tricolour if it was required for a United Ireland, and 36% said they would. Um, and... Then there was also a survey of senators and TDs, so elected representatives, uh, political representatives. Um, and in general, that found that the vast majority of them are open to it. So they're e- either, um, sort of, they said at least that they would be, they, that they think we can have a discussion about it. Um, there was only a few that were kind of opposed, uh, quite, like quite a small number. And I think generally, um, my experience is the first time that this question is ever posed to people, it tends to be quite shocking. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like a, what? We would get rid, like, put our flag, but we're so attached to it. Like, we like our flag, you know, it represents us and stuff. But then over time, I think it becomes, when when you've been exposed to the question more, it becomes more, I suppose, people, it becomes less of a strange thought, I think.
2: It does become something you get used to and you start thinking about other countries that have changed their flags after a significant change. I'm thinking about, I suppose, thinking about South Africa in particular. And, and how it was then, I mean, and, it, it, yeah, the fact that it, having conversations like, like about would you change the flag? Would you change the common, would you join the commonwealth? Would you do the, these other things? It, it's, I suppose it's part of an atmosphere of showing that that a new entity, a new All Ireland political entity, wouldn't necessarily be the Republic gobbling the North, which was what which is what some people were worried it was having. And in some ways, well, maybe the question has been presented in in bad faith as, in, would you do this?" I'm actually talking about it openly, as it shows is preempts the idea that 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 it's going to be like that, and it's it might be a public showing of good faith that what a new one one state Ireland might be like. Could be wouldn't be like the republic, and I suppose and the fact that people down here um, actually want that or, or are showing an interest in that, I suppose it's. I mean, it's it's possibly a way of showing good faith in that in that regard. So I can see how it's it's regarded like nobody and I know from nobody from the unionist backgrounds is wondering oh why won't the republic join the Commonwealth why won't this won't that, and you're quite right but I suppose it's it's probably something that's that's that still like has, has a value in terms of that, because we are inordinately interested in these symbols.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and like looking at it from that perspective um, as well, you could say that 36% of people willing to change their national flag is, you know, remarkably high, really. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you know, flags are, when you think about how flags are fetishized, like by the nation state, I suppose, more or less. But just, you know, from our kind of everyday like experience of, of flags in the West, you know, think about uh, pledges of allegiance to the flags in the United States. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's very tied up with people's sense of themselves in a lot of places and in a lot of ways to varying degrees and in different dimensions in different countries, of course. Um, so to have more than a third of people um, in a poll like this, to say that yeah, that's fine, just get rid of it and change it. You know, <laughs> it's, it's pretty big. Um, uh, I would say, yeah,
2: a lot of countries, if 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 they were put in a position where they had to reconsider what their flag meant, might do so. I mean, a lot of Scandinavian countries, their flag is a Christian cross, is is is, is an explicitly Christian statement, mm. even though their actual the reality of their of the of life in that state is is very different from that and. If there was some sort of existential crisis that made do you think, well, do you still want this flag? A lot of them mightn't even, but they've. It, it tends to continue, and do we think that Ireland has uh, the 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 free or the, the the republic began with very intentionally secular um, symbols, like a one of the few European national anthems that doesn't mention God, and a flag with no crosses on it that was replacing, I suppose, that was coming in that was replacing the cross-based Union Jack famously being three crosses, three Christian crosses overlapping each other, um, three crosses named after saints. And then that didn't actually I mean that that those symbols didn't protect um didn't protect the, the Republican going the way it did. But, right. and yeah and so it's so on one level, I mean you could say that yes, that the these um time and time again the the, the actual symbolism of a flag has rarely protected um a country from where where the actual country is going from the from actually the everyday politics, so you, you can find sometimes some very secular countries have very explicit Christian imagery and very where um, and and vice versa.
0: Maybe I was thinking we could take a look at the. Various different flags that have represented Ireland in some way over time. And then we could have a little bit of discussion about potential future flags, um, ideas that people have put forward for something that could be inclusive. Um, So, Tim, like you were saying that flags as we know them and like national flags are pretty, pretty recent. They're coming from like the birth of the nation state and very much the modern history of Europe. Um, But obviously there would have been flags representing Ireland going back Older
1: than that, right? Yeah, right. Now I don't, I don't know anything about what was used, uh, or if anything was used uh, before the first wave of colonization. Maybe, maybe Derek has more information on that. Uh, but from what I could find, anyway, this kind of idea of heraldry, you know, it, it's a Norman thing, or it was a Norman thing. Uh, so uh, um, we s- tend to see the first flags, um, recognizable flags, uh, used after the 12th century. And for a few hundred years, actually, the flag of Ireland was something that, like, we never see anymore, uh, which was three crowns, one on top of each other. And that was used as the flag of the lordship of Ireland. So these were the Norman warlords, uh, essentially, who uh, um, governed Ireland kind of within the Anglo sphere, but also kind of in a in a different sphere as well. It's all very complicated at different points. Mm-hmm. Um But so this looks a little bit like if anyone knows the flag of Munster. So the flag of Munster, the province of Munster, is uh, dark blue with three crowns on it. And this flag has three crowns, one on top of the other. And it was abandoned during the Reformation because those three crowns, one on top of another, looked a little bit too much like the Pope's crown symbol, Mm. if you can think of that. Um, So it's only after the Reformation, um, after the reign of Henry VIII, that we start to see the harp being used instead. Um, and a little bit um, after that, we just see the harp more and more, um, this this standard, this royal standard of Ireland, uh, where you have a harp on a blue background um, with a kind of allegory of a woman on the left hand side of it.
0: That's so interesting that you say that they're coming from the Normans, um, because I was actually looking up the origin of the Red Hand of Ulster, um, with the flag, which is sometimes now used by loyalist paramilitaries, but actually has like, real deep Gaelic roots. Like, the idea of the Red Hand itself probably goes back to pagan times. And, of course, it's associated with this uh, myth about um, the race, a boat race, where uh, the winner of the boat race would... Get to rule Ulster, and O'Neill won it by cutting off his hand and throwing it to shore, so that the the, his hand reached the shore before the other boats. Um, But it's although it's sort of like it's associated with loyalism now. uh, It was often used by uh, like different forces in Ulster and also across Ireland that were often kind of like fighting against English rule, for example. So there was um, like. This is a quote from an English writer who wrote like back in like the the 1500s, 1600s. The ancient Red Hand of Ulster, the bloody Red Hand, a terrible cognizance. And in allusion to that terrible cognizance, the battle cry of Law Darg Abu. (laughs) So it's something that has really ancient, actually shared roots.
1: It is kind of fascinating. From what I can see, those flags, the flags of the provinces are they're kind of 16th or 17th century creations so they are actually post norman but they they include all of this sim- symbolism that could well be pre colonial and they generally represented gaelic dynasties so you know those gaelic dynasties had been like um to a certain extent very normanized just in the mm. fact that they that they were using a flag you know like they were kind of participating in the same uh, like um mechanics of power or the same like machinery of power as as the normans and the later settlers um but using this kind of specifically gaelic um uh, symbolism and identity which is really interesting
0: like ultimately it's like why do we have to have a flag now you know it's because all the nations have to have a flag i'm sure it was the same at the time if you wanted to assert yourself as a power as something official Mm. you came up with the flag a herald of some kind
1: yeah, so, I uh, like, uh, what's really interesting is that we see this kind of crossover just constantly then with the symbols uh, of Ireland. So, like, this harp on a blue background, uh, this became the standard of the Kingdom of Ireland uh, in 1801. That's after the Act of Union. I think it's interesting that we see the image, the female image, uh, on the left-hand side. It looks a bit garish now, to be honest. Um, but it's, it's really typical of, like, this kind of 18th, 19th century national symbolism, where we start to see, like, female allegories for nations, you know, like Britannia and, like, Marianne and, you know, um, in France. And, like, the Ireland had a long tradition of that. You know, it had, like, the Ashling and, you know, later, of course, we see Kathleen the Houlihan and all that. Um, so, from the point of view of the emergence of the nation-state, um, This kind of female allegory, you know, we can't forget that the, the idea of this is that like the nation is like a sexy woman that like is calling <laughs> you to go to war for her and that you should die for her, you know, like this very kind of strangely sexualized or sexual ideal of femininity being imposed onto the nation. And people start to describe the nation as she, you know, like yeah. uh, literally as a woman, you know, around this point as well. Uh, So that's definitely kind of uh, inscribed there on that, on that uh, kingdom of violence. It's like
0: literally, it's kind of a, it's a harp and like two sides of the harp are made up, uh, made up of like a kind of, it's like an angel or a woman whose arms are wings and she doesn't seem to have legs, but she, she has a nice pair of boobs and Mm -hmm. she's, yeah, that's like in gold across the blue background.
2: Yeah, and, that a, and do we want a flag with, with a, with a nice pair of boobs on it? And that raises questions. And if we use a, 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 one without a design, just a straight harp, well, I mean, will people know that, that it was, it was, a, it's a censored flag? And if we do, <laughs> it raises all other issues. Yeah. So the, the and the, the other, um, the, one while the flag, I mean, people think, you know, a harp, we're the only uh, country in the world to have a musical instrument as a symbol. And it, it kind of uh, nods to Ireland's creative traditions. Elaine Byrne, the uh, journalist and writer, and she wrote a book about corruption in Ireland about, about over a decade ago. That got a, a lot of attention. And in the opening chapter, she mentioned that the harp, as a symbol of Ireland, had a kind of a, a nasty aftertaste, and that the implication was that you know how to get ahead in Ireland by pulling the strings. <laughs>
1: Right. Yeah. I'm like, I, I've, I've seen that, like the, this idea of the strings in the harp, it actually is used um, in, in symbolism, as we'll see in a minute. Um I actually, after the uh, independence of the Irish Free State, this was adapted, this uh, standard of the Kingdom of Ireland, it was adapted to become the standard, uh, the presidential standard. And they did get rid of the boobs. They got rid of the boobs straight away. (laughs) (laughs) This was, uh, I think, in 1945 that they made this change officially. And they replaced the harp with uh, a totally different harp entirely, uh, which is a real harp. It's Brian Beru's or the uh, legendary Brian Beru's harp. I don't think it really was his. Um, That's a a real harp that stands today in Trinity College, Dublin, in the library. So if you've ever been to see the Book of Kells, you've probably walked past it. Um, I think it from memory, I think it dates from the 15th or the 14th century, um so once again I think that's a really interesting adaptation because again we're going kind of back to Gaelic roots right um mm. to this kind of legend of Brian Brew, and then taking this symbol of pre-colonial um kind of rule and pre-colonial unity of the island uh, and imposing it onto a symbol that had been used for the kingdom um of the island right. under a very colonial discourse.
0: Aesthetically I think that presidential standard works well like it's a nice combination of colors the gold on the, the blue background looks well. The harp is like a nice symbol. Um it's my my and also like people have pointed out, it's sort of like it is a flag that once represented the entire island. Um mm-hmm. I have a couple of issues with it though. One is that it's um like, it's, it's clearly like it's a royal flag. Initially, it's like in, in its origin, it's like a monarchical, monarchical flag, which doesn't really make sense. And the other is that it really looks like Ryanair. Like it, like Ryanair <laughs> has totally <laughs> owns that color combination and the harp at this point.
1: Uh, li- listeners uh, who might not uh, be in Europe, uh, Ryanair is a low cost airline, Um <laughs> very, very famous and very famous for its sometimes dubious reputation um, in terms of customer service, whether that's justified or not. Yeah, it's uh, I think yellow and blue actually are used. They are used in marketing to symbolize something cheap. So a lot of um, like oh. good, good value stuff use yellow and blue as a as a signifier so that people know that this is low cost.
2: Uh, those, and also, obviously, the harp is also associated with Guinness. So two well-known Irish brands and maybe with um with their own issues.
0: Yeah. This is a recurring problem, I find, with flags. So, like, one of the other Irish symbols you could talk about is, like, a shamrock. And the shamrock, again, is an all-island symbol because it's, you know, it's, it's used often in Britain, like royals would often wear shamrock brooches and stuff if they're like visiting the Irish guards or something like that. There's this it's sort of, it's, it's not a divisive one. It's sort of a, like a, an old symbol for Ireland. Um, but you know, it just kind of says O'Carroll's, oh, you know, the kind of the <laughs> gift shop. <laughs> um, and, and then the other, the other thing about it is if you had a, sh- a flag with a shamrock, then you get into the territory of the other big Irish airline, uh, Aer Lingus, you know, it oh, also yeah. looks like that. Um, oh. but I quite like the, gr- the, the version of this harp on a background, which is the golden harp on a green background, which mm. I think is, if you were going to choose this one as the symbol of Ireland, I think it is a good one because it does include the green, which I think is really important because I don't think there exists a country with such a strong association with a colour. I mean, you could say the yeah. Netherlands and orange, but I think actually Ireland is even stronger than that because of, you know, the whole St. Patrick's Day thing and how international that is, like dyeing the river green and all that kind of thing. I, I think that, like, it would be a missed opportunity just in terms of, like, just, like, very practical terms like branding, not to have green in the flag.
2: And this is and this is a thing. I think the like you, you think most most countries in, in Europe you don't associate Germany with one particular color on its flag. You mean with America and Britain? I think, I know there was the the, the it used to be on maps of the British Empire it was all it was the, the the British Empire parts were red, but then subsequent to that, that they lost that association shortly after red became associated with communism. And so a lot of these the color associations with other countries don't don't tend to hold, but um the Irish one does and there are different shades of green with maybe different significances and one that I thought was very interesting is the the colour British racing green, which is a very deep uh kind of almost pine green, which is sometimes seen on um on jaguar cars and British rate cars. And that has its links to um, the uh, Gordon, the Gordon Bennett Racing Festival, I think, or um, championship, or a motor car championship in the early part of the 20th century, where different countries would have a car built in their country competing against each other in a chosen location. The location in 1903 was Ireland, because it had no speed limit, and racing wasn't prohibited there. And Britain, Britain had entered, but because the colours red, white and blue had already been picked by other countries, by like America, France and Germany, they needed a different colour and they picked green as, as a tribute to the fact that Ireland was
1: hosting that year.
0: There you go. So already very much associated with Ireland, it would seem.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is another crossover point then as well with like the different traditions on the island. So that harp, uh, after that harp became established, um, it was adapted to not have a blue background, but to have a green background uh, by totally different um, groups. So it seems to have first been adapted um, into green, with a green background with the Yellow Harp, uh, by the Irish Confederacy. So that was a kind of regime which like, had a short-lived... Uh, time of self-rule during the Cromwellian Wars, and they were Catholic, like that was very much a Catholic regime uh, at the time. Uh, but then the green colour behind the harp really is solidified by the rise of the United Irishmen um, during the 1798 rebellion. And of course, they were uh, primarily led by Irish Protestants it's possible that they used green instead of blue uh, behind the harp because green was a symbol of revolution at the time it was associated mm-hmm. with revolution I think it was even kind of associated with revolution in France like during the French Revolution um so it's so it's really interesting then that you know you have both like both religions using it and I I like the fact even in the United Irishmen that they've taken this kind of old symbol of royalty and and combined it with this symbol of revolution and secular republicanism. Um, you know, it's, it's a nice kind of blend. And that's a tradition, you know, it's a tradition in flags to include symbols of perhaps old regimes. Um, so yeah. the white and the French flag, for instance, I th- most people think that it's probably to represent royalty. White was the color of royalty, and everyone would have known that at the time. So even in this kind of very radical Republican regime in France, there was still a place, you know, for for what had come before, uh, which is interesting. Mm. So I, I I do like this combination of of the green with the harp.
0: I think this one, like if you were to if you were to pick one right now, like of the existing flags, if you wanted to pick a new one, I think this one is the winner because at a glance, anyone could say that's an Irish flag. You know, anyone around the, the world um, between the harp and the green thing, like it just says Ireland right away. It also has that, you know, heritage that crosses the island in, in that like the United Irishmen were founded in Belfast. They were Protestant led. They also, their aims were to unify everyone irrespective of religion and for equality of all religions and or all factions. Um, so, like, that's quite a, a good, like, a nice traditional story to have. So, I, I actually prefer this one over the blue one. I know people, like, a lot of people like that blue one uh, as a, as an option, but I think the green one defeats it definitely.
2: It's definitely, I think uh, this, and you, 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 it's going to be one or two of those other colors. I know the, if you ever get to see a copy of the Constitution, and it's it's in that same that same Patrick's blue color, uh, because that's, that's the, I think that's the, uh, currently the official color of the Republic. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. It's,
0: just, it's really interesting that nobody like really knows that, but it is actually the <laughs> official color. Yeah.
2: And then, and if you if you're ever walking through Lancaster House, you'll see the that's the color of the carpets as well.
1: Yes, yeah. right. And in um in Dublin Castle, you see it everywhere as well. Mm. It looks very plush. It lo- looks very high high um high brow actually when you see it in a carpet or a tapestry or it, something. It's a it's a classy color. Yeah, it's a classy, it is a classy, it's just, color. A classy color. Yeah. It helps when you have the gold metal threads.
0: You were saying, Dark, that the Union Jack is it called the Union Jack officially or is it called the Union Flag? I can't remember. Um, well, it it hmm. is actually a combination of, of various different crosses, although not Wales, I don't think.
2: Yeah, not Wales. And this is a, suppose, Wales. An, it's it's funny because and you, you do see that even when you're looking at when I look at statistics for of uh, in the UK for baby names things like that you'll find Northern Ireland is one entity, Scotland is one entity, and England and Wales are lumped together. I think it's the same with case law as well that you know the Scottish legal precedents are different from in, um, English and Whale, Welsh precedents. They're 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 bunched together. It's a uh, strange thing, but yes, one of the flags, one of the constituent flags in the Union Jack is Saint Patrick's cross. Which is like a diagonal, I suppose, a tilted St. George's cross. It's, it's basically, it's, uh, it's think call it a, it's, thing called a saltire when it's, uh, it's effectively like a, um, an X rather than a right. T. And I suppose one of the issues with this one is it's an awful lot like the Alabama flag. Oh, right. <laughs> it's, and maybe that might, may not be the, the first state we think of when we think of, um, of I- Irish kind of affect, Irish affectionate relationships with the United States. I mean, yes, there, I'm sure there's, um, I'm sure Alabama has a, has a, has a happy, open-minded Irish-American community there, but maybe it's, um, some people may not want that association. <laughs>
0: yeah. To me, the issue with this one is, it's a Christian symbol, right? So it's like, it's yeah. at this point adopting a Christian flag. I don't think really makes sense, you know, um, because obviously not everyone is, is Christian on the island, so if you're looking for something that's like unifying and representative and so on, I don't think you would pick a Christian symbol. Um, the other thing about it, like the red X on a white background, to me looks like forbidden or stop sign or you know or, go yeah. no yeah. further. It's quite negative looking.
1: It's a literal red X. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah, don't park
2: here. It's, yeah. it's <laughs> the, the, the implication is is very um, yeah, hostile and. And yes, suppose in addition to the fact that it's whether it's a you you can't stay here. <laughs> oh God!
1: Right. Right, look, there's loads of objectionable things about this flag. Actually, that that would be my number one as well. It looks like something is forbidden. Um, but even in it, in terms of what it represents and its history, like it's it's really crap compared to the histories of the other symbols uh, on the island. Um, firstly, it's it's really new compared to everything else. It actually only really dates until um, back until 1783. It turns out um it wasn't the oh. cross of st patrick originally st patrick um had a totally different cross he had a few different crosses um over his centuries of of uh of worship um but this wasn't really one of them until 1783 this was it's called the st patrick Salter because it was um associated with the order of the knights of st patrick that was founded in that year and like, mm-hmm. far from being one of these like unifying symbols, like everything we've talked about so far, this was like total exclusive. Like this was this was an, uh, a club just for nobles and for royals, mostly British royals. It was very much about keeping normal, ordinary people out, you know, rather than representing a, a nation. Um, so this was like a uh, private
0: members' club type. It was symbol. literally
1: a private members' club, yeah. And loads of people at the time really objected to it being associated with St. Patrick, because they were like, that's not St. Patrick's Cross, what are you doing? Uh, one newspaper from 1783 mocked it as a cheap rip-off of the St. Andrew's flag uh, in Scotland. So the only reason that it survived, as far as I can see, is that it just happened to kind of be prominent around the time of the Act of Union, and it was very handy just to like fit into the British Union flag. Um, so more like it didn't really have any big associations with Ireland before that point.
0: This explains so much as including like why I never kind of, you couldn't figure out that Ireland is somehow included in the Union flag at all, because it's just not a familiar symbol at all, this red X thing.
2: I don't, yeah, I don't think anyone, I think most people, if you asked them, if you, if you told them that the Union Jack was made of three other flags, they would assume one was Welsh.
0: Right. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. And then, of course, you know, actually there are a lot of flags in Ireland. We mentioned the Red Hand of Ulster before, and the Ulster flag uh, for the province of Ulster has the Red Hand in it. And um, then we have, you mentioned also earlier, the flag of Munster, which is three crowns on on, on blue, which does look quite like that earliest flag that we were talking about, that sort of Norman flag. What's the deal with Connacht's? Connacht's is like... (laughs) Uh, what do you call it, like a chimera? It's like half man, half beast. What's the deal with that?
1: I have no idea. I, I have looked it up <laughs> because I'm literally, I'm, I'm from Connacht and I've often wondered because you do see it a lot, you know, in Galway and stuff. Um, and I have looked it up at various times and I've never found any like logical explanation. That doesn't mean there there isn't one out there, but uh, none, ha- none that I've managed to research.
0: It's like half an eagle wing and then half a sort of uh, knight's arm in armour with holding a sword um it's like two flags like they ripped up two flags and, and sewed them together I'm sorry I'm really dissing Connick's flag sorry <laughs> I really don't start beefier.
1: it's Naomi it's pretty badass half eagle half warrior you know <laughs>
0: And then this is the wrong, the one, well, one of the problems with, say, picking the gold harp on green flag as a new symbol, which is that it, it is already Leinster's symbol. There it is. It's Leinster's, it's Leinster's flag.
1: Well, now, I'm so glad you brought that up because from what I found out this morning, it seems that Leinster got this symbol from the original symbol and not the other way around. So Leinster was being derivative with that. And this was already a national oh. symbol before it ever represented Leinster, apparently. Oh, well, that's fine then. <laughs> it's quite
0: arrogant of Leinster. Typical of Leinster, I'd say.
1: And Munster. Really, Connacht is the only one that comes out good of this. But...
0: <laughs> of all the flags I actually, like of these province flags, I actually think Ulster is a good design.
1: It's a great design.
0: Between the story and the power of the I don't know. It's the strong one.
2: Yeah, and this is a big a big thing because you find this with I mean like design has to be the forefront. I mean, ultimately, I mean, if people are talking about new flags, there's going to be a, a, there's a terrifying risk of something being designed by committee, looking awful with a bunch of stuff stuck together, mm-hmm. like um, just like like some awful meme. And you've seen some suggested flags have had basically stuck a bunch of things all together and. Like like a like a early nineties website, with just like a you know a red hand waving and a few orange bits in the castle here and a crown there, and it's so point to look at. And you think about when people, if you ask someone what's a flag you like or what's a good flag, people will veer towards classic, simple designs like Switzerland or Japan.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, and that that's like the way you described that sort of like clip art effort does look like this i don't know who's made this but this mock-up of an irish flag where the red-handed Ulster is just literally plonked in the middle on the white to be inclusive mm. which is just like totally symbolically incoherent because you're taking like there already is a meaning to the underlying flag and then you're taking this totally other flag and just plonking in, in the middle and it's a horrible con- color combination as well
2: yes and that's the, that's the thing you don't want orange next to red on white i mean you wouldn't wear that
1: um, there, there isn't, there's an issue with the harp and the hand, actually. I mean, flags with images just generally don't, like, do well, as far as I can see. Like, um, and when you're thinking of, like, when are flags used? Like, they're used in, sure, on flagpoles, uh, but also they're used, uh, on, like, national days, and at football matches, and, like, by kids in school and stuff. Um, and a lot of this is people literally drawing the flag or like making their own versions of the flags or painting it on their face or whatever. And so when you include an image into that, it suddenly becomes just a lot more mangled. And you can imagine kind of like terribly drawn hands and terribly drawn harps. Like that is something to consider, I think. <laughs> no, very much so. You see people like at, at football games
2: and they've got a little, their, their face kind of painted with a bit of, with a bit of green on one side, with an orange on one side, white in the middle. And... And then similarly, maybe it's, it's uh, in other countries they have a version of that. If you actually had to draw like a wolfhound <laughs> or like a harp or or a, or something like that, or some other kind of a, a mythical creature, so if people were like drawing kind of a Morrigan that was half kind of raven, half woman, on someone's face, that would be just you <laughs> know
1: um, hellish. Now, so uh, suggestions, uh, Daruk, uh You made a suggestion to us earlier about a flag that might represent uh, Newgrange. Can you tell us about that? Well, one of the things I thought was, what's, what's something that's like,
2: um, what's something that's not divisive that represents our Irish history and that that, doesn't, that can be shared. And then when you go back to prehistory, um, early history, you get to a point before any of the divisive historical events that in Ireland happened. And then you go right back to something Newgrange. Newgrange is famously has a number of, um, of, of designs on it. Famously the, the three swirling, um, the three kind of swirling circles next to each other, which are, I believe, are understood to represent waves, but are ambiguous in their own way. They have um, the swirl has a kind of represents eternity and multiple things. Newgrange itself, um, is a remarkable scientific achievement, and that's worth that's and paying tribute to that on a flag. If we were to change the flag, would be a good way to go. Something that's neither Catholic nor Protestant, but very much Irish and linked to a phenomenal scientific achievement that maybe started the island off and something that should be reminded of and aspired back to. I was thinking in terms of um, that that as a design is something also that would be fun for that kids could draw that's relatively easy to replicate, something that's immediately recognisable as Irish. And then it comes down to my suggestion was to use a British race in green as the background, but St. Patrick's blue, or one of those, those other shades could be just just as as happy but i think that's something that n- nobody hates new range <laughs>
1: for sure. Yeah, so listeners, um you've probably seen this already this this design of a tripartite as a spiral um that uh is you'll see it on a lot of kind of uh, uh, Irish graphic art and stuff and and Taurus literature because it is really 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 distinctive. It's often kind of associated with Celtic, this idea of Celtic now, but of course it's much much older than um than the Celts. Um uh right back to prehistoric times. Um uh, this is, this would be handy. I think I could kind of draw a ersatz version of that if I was a kid in primary school. And also it has this feeling of unity, doesn't it? Because these are three spirals that are interconnected um, very, very nicely. Um, and of course, it also kind of hints at the shape of a shamrock without being a shamrock too.
0: It's nice. I, I think it's a pretty good symbol. The one thing I would say about it is it's a little bit, it's, it just looks a little bit trippy. Mm. And or like hippie-ish, like the spiraling is a little bit like, um, <laughs> it's like something, I don't know, like it's kind of like it would. It's very sixties kind of, um, <laughs> and kind of like hippie-ish, and <clears throat> I don't know that, that, like, but I could I could live with it. I I kind of came up with a slightly alternative idea that also represents new grains and also represents that like scientific achievement but it does it in a more traditional um like geometric flag way so rather than than taking that like the the triple spiral um taking the moment where the light enters the chamber so there's a little chamber at the top of the door and the sunrise um light on on this winter solstice the shortest day of the year shines into that little box And it's just, the whole thing is constructed and designed just so, so that that ray of light goes into the inner chamber and lights it up. So I basically did like a graphical representation of that where it looks like a beam of light coming from the left and getting wider as it goes to the right. So it's like a big triangle across the flag and it it just uses the same colors that we usually use now the green, white and orange, but in this the orange is kind of a bit like rays of sunlight, you know, and then the green is sort of the background. But I thought that was like, in general, the idea of new Grange was a was a good idea.
2: Yeah, that, that is, I think mean, the idea of, of, of representing light as well is yeah it's something. Uh, yeah, the, the idea of a, a diagonal spread of light that, that links. there's a few other flags where the uh, where the symbol is linked. The Aboriginal flag is linked to the rise a sun, uh, the sunset or a sunrise, and obviously the Japanese flag is based on a rising sun.
0: And then it's also a story because like this is like a moment of renewal, right? It's And that's what Newgrange, like the symbology of it is. It's like a moment of renewal and things starting again and new beginnings and stuff. And so a kind of like there's a positive story if you were going to have a flag for a new nation. It's a nice one. We
1: might have to adapt it to an overcast, slightly drizzly day. (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, uh, lovely idea. Um, I I definitely think, I think that the green and orange could still be used creatively. Um, You know, if the tricolour design was just even slightly altered, then the symbolism of those colours, you know, would come back, you know, that become more apparent. It's just that specific kind of incarnation of the tricolour that has be- that has gained negative associations because of, uh, of its history uh, in Ireland, but like it still does, you know, these colours orange and green are still important to you know both both communities uh, on the island, um, and them being used together, you know, absolutely, I think could be used more creatively um, to to bring out what they really mean. Um, I would also be fine with some variation on the harp, uh, whatever colour really behind it. I, I would, like you, Naomi, I'd be kind of um, drifting towards the green one, but then I'm I'm an 18th century. Historian, so that's the 1798 in <laughs> me uh, coming out. Um, but you know, the harp has been used by everyone. It's been used by Catholics and Protestants, Nationalists and Unionists, you know, Royalists and Republicans, and it's always been a symbol of the island as a whole. So I think that's something that we shouldn't look in, in the mouth, you know, as a gift. Like it, we already have that, you know, it references the cultural complexities on the island. Um, but like you said Derek it also represents you know music like which is something very universal and human you yeah. know and very kind of pan national uh, which is nice for a kind of post uh, nationalistic period uh, i just wanted to mention uh, before we move on actually um that uh, cuz you were saying earlier uh, Derek about the strings this idea of the strings being uh, plucked um you know um, or strung in a certain way and this is mentioned on the insignia of the united irishman i have a an image of it here that we'll put up in the notes oh. And um, it has the harp. It has the United Irishman harp with their little allegory on the side, and on the top it says equality, and they're um, they're they're holding a liberty uh, bell as well. And then it says underneath, "It is new strung and shall be heard." Which is a really mm. kind of interesting uh, uh, interpretation, isn't it? This is a new harp. That is new strong. Oh. That a harp is something where the strings can be restrung again and make a different music. You know, which would that's a I think that's a really lovely kind of uh, insight there.
0: That's lovely. Definitely. And we're also limited by like so some some countries go for a landscape flag where they try and represent the colours of the landscape. Like an example is Estonia, which. Like the Estonian flag literally just looks like Estonian winter. It's like snow on the ground and it's very, very bright. So it tends to make trees and buildings look black and roads look black. And then like a a really blue, deep blue sky. And so that's what it looks like. But like if you were to do that for Ireland, it would be grim colors. It would be like (laughs) gray, grayish white overcast and like green, you know, like it just wouldn't be nice, you know. Brown, yeah. maybe.
2: A, a neutral color, a neutral country with a grey flag doesn't, doesn't really shout
1: out very much. <laughs> um, so, um, like, one question is: Would it need to be changed at all? That you brought that up uh, earlier, Naomi. I mean, is this really going to be an issue? I mean, the Irish flag is burnt on bonfires uh, in some parts of Northern Ireland. Like, it does. It, it is an issue yes. to some unionists for sure.
0: Yes, that, that's it. It is. It is um, not unifying. It's. It, it, represents a particular part even though it has this really really nice underlying meaning about unity um it isn't use. it isn't it it doesn't its actual use in the real world hasn't lived up to that um or its perception as well um, so yeah, some people say, like, all we need to do is actually explain what that tricolour means because its meaning has been lost. And, and maybe. I think, you know, I looked at a couple of examples of peop- of countries that looked at changing their flags or did change their flags. Um, and, you know, it often happens that they have a discussion about changing it and then they ultimately make the decision to keep their flag. That, that happened in New Zealand, for example. They just didn't come up with an alternative that persuaded people. Um So, you know, it's not, you know, it's okay to talk about. It doesn't mean that you definitely have to change it unless an alternative, you know, wins the required support. Um And there's also, you know, there's interesting sort of precedents to look at. So we can look at South Africa. South Africa got a new flag after the fall of apartheid. Um And this was all tied up with the negotiations about the end of apartheid and the release of Nelson Mandela from prison. Um So, we're talking about the early nineties and he was released from prison and then they had elections and he went to uh, Nelson Mandela went on to become elected president of a post apartheid state so obviously this was this was like a big change and it was a new it was they kind of decided it was going to be like a you know a new 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 state and needed a new flag Um so what they did was they had an appeal for public submissions for a flag and seven thousand were sent in but actually in the event, none of them were picked so none of them were like deemed kind of up to it and then they started consulting design firms to see if design firms could come up with something good and that didn't work out and so finally they just called this guy called Fred Brownell um, who was a civil servant he was a civil servant with a job called being the state herald that basically means that you're in charge of heraldry so you know he had a background in this stuff and he was basically given a week to come up with a flag and luckily he'd been thinking about it a, l- a little bit already. And he came up with the South African flag that we know. And basically what it means is you've got this, from the left hand side, you've got, you've got a triangle that, that comes inwards. And that, it, the idea behind that is different strands coming together into unity. And he, it's got a really unusual number of colours for a national flag. It's got tons. Um, and that represents like all the different aspects of society bringing into unity in this in this new nation. So it includes black and gold, which are on the flags of the African National Congress and also the Zulu um, Inkatha Freedom Party. And then it's also got red, blue and white, which are part of Dutch and British flags. But they, they didn't go for the traditional red, the same red as like the Union Jack. They actually went for a kind of an orangey red, which is a bit of a compromise because of course there's orange. Orange is a, is a sort of a Dutch colour um and it also apparently is kind of similar to the color of a local tree and a hat that's worn by Zulu women so anyway he he put this thing together and it people were people liked it, it they they were drawn to it But they only actually announced that this was going to be the new flag a week before the election results. And that meant there was this huge like production crunch where they didn't have enough flag manufacturing capacity to make all the required flags in time for the result of the election. So there was this sort of like international scramble to make this new flags and factories in the Netherlands and in Japan stepped in to try and make them make them all. But ultimately Nelson Mandela was elected and he appeared as president of the new nation and all these flags the new flags were hanging around him and this sort of this convinced people of the flag they associated it with this and, and they were one on board to the new flag.
1: Now we do have a precedent um with of course another country that reunified not so long ago which is of course Germany right there was no new flag when Germany was reunified as I understand in yeah. 1990 so why was that?
0: Yeah, really interesting. So the German flag, um, has Of very old history. It it dates back to the Napoleonic Wars, actually, the current one that we know, the black, the red and gold. Um, But there was always a sort of a rival national flag in Germany, which was black, red and white. And that Hmm. came to be associated with the right wing in the 20th century, while the black, red and gold was the liberal flag, um, particularly after it was adopted as the flag of the Weimar Republic in like 1920s. So um, obviously that black, red and white combination came to be very tarnished. Um, because it was used by the Nazis. So the Weimar flag was the one that was reintroduced in 1949 for West Germany. Um, by the, It was sort of supported by the Social Democrats. Um, the, the Conservatives at that time wanted to introduce like a Nordic cross, like mm. the Scandinavian nations, just using those colours, but ultimately the Social Democrats won the argument there. Um, and East Germany also had the tricolour, but they put the symbol of East Germany on it in the middle, which is like a hammer and compass and rye, which is kind of social, socialist symbolism. Um And then um, after the fall of the Berlin Wall, what happened was that East East Germans began cutting out that GDR symbol out of their flags and using that simple tricolor as a kind of symbol of unity. Um, Mm. So basically the two sides were using almost the same flag. It was already an old flag. um, And in unification, after all, East Germany was was absorbed into into West Germany. Like it, it, it adopted the West German currency, the Deutschmark. West German laws were just like extended and came into force in East Germany. So, it wasn't a new state as such, it was an enlargement of the former West Germany, which is why that happened.
1: Right, so that's an interesting kind of um, analogy there, then, uh, going back to uh, a flag that represented. The entire country at a time of unity, but under a very different regime that doesn't exist at all anymore, um, which is you know something that of course like we could see with any flag change in Ireland too. Um, Now, Naomi, we're coming to the end of the episode, uh, but of course, in any discussion of flags, we have to bring up the political aspect of flags, just as a thing, you know, and what what they what they mean, what they can mean, and what they're coming to mean uh, in different parts of the world right now. Um, Like I said, you know, flags. This idea of flags is inseparable. From the idea of the nation state, and therefore flags can be—I mean—they're absolutely designed for nationalism, right? They're designed for nationalism in its um, in all its forms, including its very worst forms. Um, and it 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 is an instrument in its own right of kind of distilling national identity down to kind of just simplistic football slogan kind of style symbols. Um, so we have seen in um, recent weeks there has been a discussion in the UK about this kind of like almost bonanza of flag waving and bonkers kind of flags appearing in the background of zoom videos and stuff um by politicians um uh would a new flag fall into that narrative do you think
0: It, it is really interesting that in this moment um the flag the flag sort of debate coming from the uk is is new i mean the, it reminds me somewhat of the poppy debate um, where it's becoming kind of brought into a culture war which, you know, didn't, didn't exist before. Uh, I remember when, when I lived in the UK, I, it was really... I found the, the, the British flag to be very omnipresent and very, like, excessively used in marketing, so particularly in supermarkets. Like, this would have been 10 years ago. But you, you always had, like union jack cupcakes and union jack this and yeah it was just very pervasive it was really interesting and something that i definitely noticed being on the increase around the time of like there was a few different events there was like the olympics there was the royal baby there was like lots of sort of like have a royal tea party stuff being being advertised and that's when i really noticed the union jacks beginning to encroach into daily grocery shopping Um, and I think that it's only increased, um, you know, I've moved away since, but I've seen a lot of people remarking, um, on, on posting pictures on social media about the Union Jack increasingly being put on things, obviously post Brexit, there's this sort of, you know, like there's, um, a really important political association with being self-sufficient. So you see the British flag being put on carrots and stuff, or even if they don't necessarily come, come from the UK, um. You know, and it's also even the, the the phrase associated with the nation, the Great British, that was used for, it was used as branding in a lot of things, the Great British this or the Great British that. Mm. Um, it reminded me of something that the um, SDLP politician, Matthew O'Toole, told me. We interviewed him um, a couple of years ago on the podcast. Mm. And he he said to me, you know, we used to think in Northern Ireland that, you know, eventually we might become like elsewhere. And this divisiveness and and so on would become less. But what it actually seemed to him, when he was working in London during this sort of Brexit campaign, is that everywhere else was becoming more like Northern Ireland. There was like a kind of ulsterization of politics elsewhere in terms of division and the role of identity.
1: Mm. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. And, um, you know, there have been, like the the tricolour, for instance, in Ireland, you know, has this uh, side of it that's associated with maybe the IRA or maybe kind of more simplistic nationalism. Uh, But that's an association that flags have everywhere. Um, They they always fall into this. You know, they're always being kind of hijacked by the right um, because, like, in their essence, they're almost made for that. You know, it's very hard to keep a flag as a very neutral thing. Um, And that was one of the things That I found kind of uncomfortable about that, uh, that that ubiquity of the British flag on like household items, on like cushions and stuff, you know, (laughs) Uh, because this isn't a neutral symbol, you know, it's a a highly politicized symbol, Uh, you know, it's not just divorced uh, a divorced piece of graphic design, and that was how it was kind of being treated, you know, in the early two thousands, especially. Um, as if you know there was nothing kind of there couldn't possibly be any negative connotations with it when of course there are and when it's when those things are seen outside uh, the uk um they're seen in a very different way um certainly i mean i know that uh, in France you know wearing the flag um is seen you know it looks like you you belong to the far right you know if you if you if you paint your face <laughs> in the flag for instance on like bastille day or something um it's it's only really flown by the average joe at football matches or at sports events otherwise people just don't really associate themselves with it um, because it is militaristic and it is political and you know it, it isn't neutral at all and it it's um, it's uh, it's a trigger right it's a trigger for nationalism and for that reason I suppose that's the reason that flags are used so carefully you know <laughs> like they're used in these very kind of ceremonial and limited ways by governments because like you know they can easily go out uh, of control.
0: So something that is really interesting in, in Northern Ireland when it comes to separate identities is the way that the, that different communities have vicariously adopted the flags of others to distinguish from each other. Mm-hmm. So obviously you have, you know, neighborhoods where the British flag is predominant and neighborhoods where the Irish flag is predominant. But then this has taken, it's taken beyond that and vicariously then the sort of pro-British or British identifying side have adopted the Israeli flag, whereas the Irish identifying uh, have then taken the Palestinian flag. Um, you know, yeah. um, and you, you see, it's not, it's, it's not exclusive to that, but it's, it's like, um, it, it's a really interesting, um, way in which you can see di- division almost seeking more fuel for itself or more ways in which to assert difference. I'm pretty sure that if the Irish flag was to be changed at some point, if there was to be a new flag, there's no doubt that the old flag then would come to represent something new. So it would probably be for people who wouldn't be happy for one reason or another and would be sure to adopt it as their symbol for Mm -hmm. something that was lost or loyalty to to a prior state, I would say.
1: Yeah, for sure and for certain. Um, I, I was thinking about that as well, and I was thinking that, like, maybe the best way to kind of counteract that, um, to counteract the possibility of the tricolour becoming, like, a symbol of resistance against unity or something, uh, which, like, it could, um, in some way, shape or form, um, uh, would be to keep it to some extent, or at least for a while, and to keep flags of Northern Ireland and to fly a lot of them together when you were flying any of them mm-hmm. um, is something kind of federal, you know, or some kind of federal style symbolism where you have a flag of the island and, you know, keep these other ones up just for a little while, maybe phase them out or maybe, you know, keep them on uh, forever to try and take away that um, the divisiveness of them that, it, like, they can all still represent people uh, on the island. But who knows? I mean, that's just...
0: Like party bunting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, I have a feeling that uh, this this discussion itself is somehow anachronistic perhaps already um you know these flags maybe the era of the flag is already kind of on the way out and we'll all be represented by qr codes or something in the future but (laughs) (laughs) but that brings us to a close for this half pint listeners thanks so much for tuning into us and thanks especially to derek for joining us today my absolute pleasure thank you so much for having me If you want to check out Dara's podcast, Motherfucklore, you'll find it wherever you get The Irish Passport.
0: Yeah, thanks so much, everyone. Um, Don't forget, for all of our bonus content, you can find it over at patreon.com forward slash The Irish Passport. We're hugely grateful for your support, and we'll be back really soon with the start of a new season. Salam for now.
1: Slum.